Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And I'm going to sit back and listen to you tell me a story today, my friend. Yeah, I have a good case today. I was actually starting to research a different case. And I was like, you know what? I want sinister vibes. Like, I want something creepy. A lot of our Patreons have been requesting a spooky Amber case. This is so eerie. It's so creepy. And it might be the creepiest case I've ever found. Shut up. I'm you, not even lying. You didn't even warn me ahead of time. I don't have my comfort dildo. I don't have <laughs> anything to help me get through this. We can take five if you need to grab an apparatus of some kind. All right, let's pause so I can get all my comfort items. No, this uh. is creepy. It's a little shorter because it takes place in the 30s. So mm. there's not a ton of info. Right. And what I found is that most of the info on it. It's kind of the same. Oh, sure. You know, across yep. the board, the articles. And I, I listened to a couple, I don't want to say documentaries, but like videos. Coverage. Yeah, coverage and of it. Okay. It's, a, you know, all the same, but it's a good, this is a juicy case. Okay. A shout out to Jennifer Sylvie, who wrote this awesome article on the case that I'm going to, you know, most of the info I kind of got from her article because okay. it was really well done. I like her name too. It is a good name. It's cute. So just knowing that that's where my my sure. info came from. So I'm going to jump right into this, starting with this mysterious man who checks into a hotel. The hotel is called the Hilton President. It's in Kansas City. In 1935, that's what it was called. The hotel has since been revamped, and there was some renovations done, so it is now called the Hilton President. In, Can- in Kansas City. Oh, okay. So just kind of know that. I looked at pictures. It is so eerie looking. Is just it? Just like Even back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, the renovations helped, but back in the day, it's like a, it's a mysterious looking. It's a spooky little bitch, like, huh? Like you would, the hotel you would see like, you know, red rum, like the murder. Oh. It's, it's creepy. Okay. I'm it's creepy. I'm going to have to look this up. And I'll post pictures. Right. For sure. Okay, so on January 2nd, 1935, around 1.20 p.m., a man checked into the hotel president under the name of Roland T. Owen. Can we go back to just using a middle initial for everything? It really does sound so, it, like, It gives official. it some pomp and circumstance, doesn't it? I could, yeah, I would love to put in a middle initial. Yes, I just, you know. Like just on a card or something? Charnel like, D. Yeah. Yeah. Amber M. There we go. That's not as catchy as like Ronald T. Ronald. Or Roland, I mean. Oh. Roland T. <laughs> Ro- it, that is pretty, I don't know, it rolls off the tongue in and a... It gives you a classy feel. Hey, I like it. Roland T. Roland T. Owen. Witnesses later told police that he looked to be about the ages of between 20 and 35. He had brown hair. That's, and a, that's quite an age difference, by the way. <laughs> Somewhere between 20 and 35. I will tell you, I saw another article that indicated he was like 18. So he wow. was young. We'll just say he was young. We have no idea. <laughs> he, was he was under 18 40. 18 to 40. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, witnesses did agree that the young man had brown hair and a visible scar on his scalp above his left ear. Now, I don't know what the for- the formal term for this is, but... It's been described in numerous art- articles that he had cauliflower ear. Do you know what that is? I like do. Like the ru- from rustling from or rustling. whatever. Yep. So it was noted that he had that as well. Interesting. I was going to look up the medical term because I was like, that's a horrible name. But I don't that know. That is actually what it's commonly is it called? known as. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what the article said. So Bellhop Randall Props. Props? Bellhop. Randall Props. Yep. Okay. I'm um, like, is his name Bellhop? What's <laughs> happening? Okay, so sorry. Randall Randall Props. Randall Props. He described Owen on the check-in day as nicely dressed, and um, he had a, a black overcoat on. I read a couple other articles that described him as husky. 
Okay. Oh, I like it. All right. Our boy was a little thick. A little thick. <laughs> that's okay. So am I, Roland. I, so am I. I like it. Um, <laughs> Roland. So. Roland T would have to be a husky fellow. Yeah, he was described as young, husky, well dressed. Like it. Okay. So he. So far, I'm not hating what I'm hearing. Yeah. He checks into his room. And it was odd from the beginning because he didn't really have a lot of luggage with him. And so when he checked into his room, he was complaining to the bellhop about the hotel nearby. He had checked into that one and it was too pricey at $5 a night. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? Those were the days. Oh, yeah. Of course, I could. In the 30s, we're in the Depression. $5 a night would be a lot. lot. Yeah. It's probably a lot. The other hotel was called Mule Back or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm probably butchering it. Mule Back. It's it's M-U-E-H-L-E-B-A-C-H. Mule Mule Back. Yeah. Still, we're going with Mule Back, and I don't know where they're getting (laughs) off charging $5 a night. So he had come over to the other hotel. Apparently, it was cheaper. And sounds a lot better. It does. It really does. So after checking into his room, Owen left his hotel, you know, he checked in, he left. And during his stay, it was reported that he would leave intermittently. Like he would come in, leave, you know, go somewhere. Sure. Be a, a person. Yeah. He, it was suspected that he was going to the bar or to visit someone. You know, nobody <laughs> really knew. I love how those are the two options. He's either going and getting sloshed or he's going visiting. Literally the only two things that he would be doing. (laughs) So in the days following his check-in, it was also noted by one of the hotel workers named Mary Saptic that Owen seemed troubled. She noted that he was either worried about something or he seemed to be a little bit afraid, like paranoid about something. Mm. And he always wanted to be in the dark. In the dark? dark yeah. and she, the reason like she, a vampire yeah the reason she knows this is because she was the one doing like housekeeping oh, you yeah. know that coming <laughs> to the door and fresh yeah. towels fresh linens right so she actually like went into the rooms so mary had stopped by room 1046 that is the room that owen is staying in actually this case is often referred to as room 1046 it's so creepy oh that's fucking creepy so creepy <laughs> Um, but you she want me had, just to title the episode? Yes. Room Perfect. 1046. I was actually literally going to ask you that because yeah. it's so creepy. I can do that. Um, wow. But so Mary had stopped by the room to check in, clean up. She would notice that the curtains were always drawn. It was always dark in the room. He had like maybe a small lamp on sometimes, but otherwise he was always like sitting in the dark. Really mm-hmm. weird. Because he will burn if he's in the light. I don't Don't judge him. But I'm just saying if that was me, I would not be wanting to go into room 1046. I guess not. It's a little eerie. Although I do have to say, my recent 10-day hotel stay, when my husband was in the hospital, I didn't open the curtains at all and just had one little lamp on. Okay. All right. So maybe it's a thing. Yeah. I just didn't need to let the the world in I guess I was you know wasn't there very often anyway but right maybe he had migraines oh possible didn't want the light I like you throwing out some alternative hypothesis here I mean we don't know right um we literally don't know him we don't we don't um maybe not a vampire maybe not Mary did note that so there was a female that was previously staying in that room so she was surprised when she walked in there to see Owen sitting in the dark man (laughs) like oh God, in, who is that? Yeah, a husky fellow in the dark. <laughs> but um, so while she cleaned, Owen did talk to her a little bit, small talk. And he had mentioned a friend was planning to visit him soon. And he had asked her not to lock the door while he was gone. She agreed and left the room. A few hours later, Mary stopped by to ask if he needed some fresh towels. And the door was still locked from the previous encounter. Still unlocked? Unlocked, yes. If I said locked, I meant... You did. Unlocked. All right. So door is still unlocked. So when she entered the room, she found Owen fully dressed, laying on his fully made bed. And she thought maybe he was asleep. Sure. She did come in, put the towels down, and she saw a note by his bedside that read, Don, I will be back in 15 minutes. Wait. That's all it said. Okay. But... 
She saw that, and he was laying fully dressed on the bed. She's getting a little nosy, reading his personal notes. Little bit. Little bit. Good thing he was dressed. Right? (laughs) It does seem like what else she'd be inspecting. Yeah, Mary's going in quite a bit. Uh On January 3rd, Mary had stopped by his room to make the bed. Owen's door was locked from the outside, as it would be when guests would leave. She opened the door with her master key. She was surprised to see Owen still sitting in a corner of the room. It was dark. And while while she cleaned up the space and tidied up, the phone rang. Owen hurried to answer it, and he responded to whoever it was on the other line. He said, no, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. And then he repeated, no, I'm not hungry. So after the phone call, Owen complained again about the prices. They were making some small talk. He brought up that other hotel being expensive again. Still hanging on to that, huh? Okay. He, he did. And then he, he did kind of, you know, start asking Mary some questions about her job and the hotel and asked, like, how many rooms she cleaned and, you know, how many people stay. Just, you know, basic questions. I feel like that's like dad talk. Right. The dad conversation. <laughs> For sure. You know what this place pulls in on parking alone? (laughs) Right? Right? One of those. Um, So she answered the question. She finished uh, cleaning very quickly and then left the room. And he was in there by himself. Then it dawned on her that someone had locked Owen into the room since the door was locked from the outside. That's what I was going to ask. Wait a second. She's like, that's weird. Yeah. You know, later in the day... She had come back again with some other things. Like I said, it seems like she's like, Mary. I don't know if in the I, 30s you're just like making rounds. Are you this attentive or, or are, are you, you like, being nosy? Yeah. Uh, but she had she had returned. And when she knocked on the door, she heard two male voices in the room. She announced that she had new towels and in a loud, deep voice that didn't sound like Owen's, the voice told her to leave. He claimed that there was enough towels well, I'm I would sure think there were so by now. How many like Mary, fresh towels do you need? <laughs> Stop bringing towels already. Right. I had to ask the concierge desk twice for towels in my 10 day stay for crying out loud. I want Mary on my side. Like I want the towels and all that stuff. Yes. It's hard to get the it's hard to get good help these days. <laughs> it really is. But in the 30s apparently. That is amazing. <laughs> so a deep voice is like we don't need towels. Right. We're good. On the same day, I will note that a woman on the floor was uh, the 10th floor reported hearing very disturbing noises that day. That was like a side report. We don't know what they were, but that was a claim. And she didn't elaborate on what she meant by disturbing. Like, are we talking like demons from a portal of hell? Or are we talking like men? What are we? Well, a little bit of detail on that. So Jean Owen, who was no relation to Roland. Okay. Um, she had went to Kansas City to meet her boyfriend for the day. And instead of driving back to the um, to her hometown, she decided to stay at the hotel president for the night. The hotel gave her the key to room 1048, which was right next door mm-hmm. to 1046. Later to police, she did report she heard a lot of noise, which sounded like it was on the same floor, consisting largely of men and women talking very loudly and cursing, mm. she said in her statement. When the noise continued, I was about to call the clerk, but decided not to. Hmm. It's suspected, apparently there was a party happening in the night, um, that night in room 1055 and not 1046, but we don't really know. Okay. like and, what she was actually hearing. Right, and after I get to the details, like, it's, you know, we don't know if that's what she was hearing or something else going on in room 1046. Okay. So an elevator operator, Charles Blotcher also reported after hours activity, a woman came into the hotel searching for a man in room 1026. Uh, He said the woman was about 135 pounds and five and a half uh, feet tall. The woman was searching for a man for well over an hour on different floors. Like she was looking around and, you know, room to room and not in them, obviously, but like really looking for this room. And she eventually left. But it was noted that was really odd. For sure. It was suspected later that possibly she was looking for room 1046 and mistaken it for 1026. Right. But it was just an odd event before the the things I'm going to tell you about that kind of ties into it. So this woman's hmm. just walking around looking 
for a room and then she leaves. So the next morning on January 4th, the telephone operator notices that the phone in room 1046, that the phone was off the hook. And it had been for about 10 minutes without anyone using it. And it was about 7 a.m. So apparently this is a no-no. Like, they can't leave the phones off the hook. So the bellhop went up to to check and see what was going on. To regulate that phone. Yep. We're going to hang that phone back up. Okay. The door to room 1046 was locked with do not disturb sign hung on the outside. And the bellhop knocked several times. And Owen told him he could enter. However, when the bellhop uh, told Owen that the door was locked, he didn't respond. The bellhop knocked again and then yelled for Owen to hang up the phone, assuming Owen was possibly drunk and, like, knocked it off the receiver. Yeah. It's 7 a.m. Right. He maybe rolled in, knocked the phone off the hook. It sounds like Owen did like to go to the bar, so maybe they, like, they assume he's drunk quite a few times. Okay. <laughs> and it's the 30s. He's a young guy, so and, you know. Everyone's drunk in the 30s. Right. It's fine. So about an hour and a half later, the bellhop did leave at that point. He was just like, hang the phone up. Right. You know, he couldn't get in. They notice an hour and a half later, the phone is still off the hook. Oh, They're man. like, all right. Yeah. Dude, we're done. get your shit together. Hang we're that done. phone up. So... Another bellhop goes up to the room, and he used a master key to actually get in because they needed the phone hung up. Apparently, it's it was that, a thing. It's that important. It was a big that's deal. Terrifying that so many people can get their hands on a master key here. Like that, right? that does There's kind a of freak lot me of out. people in and out of this room. Yeah. Now, when he entered the room, he noticed Owen was lying naked on the bed. Oh. He appeared to be drunk. It was dark in the room, so he couldn't really yeah, he couldn't really see a lot. But he did notice like dark spots around Owen. Okay. When he was laying there, he didn't think anything of it. He just he noticed him. Right. There was He's something like, dark a around naked him. Dude, I'm just here to hang up the phone. Yeah. I wouldn't be looking too closely either. And that's what he does. He hangs the phone up and he leaves the room. Bolt. He doesn't say anything. Right. Like the sky's naked. Could you imagine that job? Like, no oh thanks. my god! I and I'm trying to remember. Like it's the 30s, so it wouldn't be the way it is now. Right. So maybe they did walk in and see naked people all the time. I don't know. Or like people humping and stuff. Like no, they're like just here for fresh towels. For Carry sure. On. Got to hang that phone up. <laughs> so about an hour later, after the phone is hung up, the telephone operator calls again and says that the the phone on room in room 1046 is off the hook. What? Yep. So somebody needs to go back up there and take care of the problem. Okay. So around 11 a.m., the bellhop goes back up to the door. He opens it on his own again. This time when he walks in, he walks into a completely blood-spattered room. There's blood on the walls. There's blood on the ceiling. There's blood everywhere in this room. Um, he walks in and Owen was on his elbows and knees with his head in his hands. He was naked. His chest was covered in stab wounds. His blood was drenched all over the sheets and towels. Like I said, the walls, the ceiling, this room is freaking covered in the blood. The ceiling. The ceiling. Obviously the hotel calls the police at this time. Before the cruise got there to take Owen to the hospital, there was a a detective that arrived and asked, like, who did this to you? Who was in the room? Owen responded, nobody. What? That's what? Owen. That's what he said. It's got to be somebody. Yeah, somebody did this to you. Owen, tell me it was somebody. Owen wasn't fully conscious, and he was struggling to talk. I'd say so. He told the detectives that he fell against the bathtub. That's what he said. Uh, I mean, maybe at some point. Right? It's but the bathtub you. didn't stab you, sir. Sinister vibes here. Sinister vibes. Now, when he gets to the hospital, the doctors indicated, like, from all of his wounds, because he had stab wounds all over himself, that obviously someone had tortured him in the hotel room. Yeah. It had appeared someone restrained Owen's arms and legs and neck with cords. Oh, God. His chest sustained multiple stab wounds. He had a punctured lung. And a fractured skull. What? Someone had hit his head repeatedly. Oh, hence the blood splatter on the ceiling. Right. Now, when he got to the hospital, Ronald T. Owen died shortly after arriving. He was in rough shape. Yeah. 
Um, Sounds like it. The Aww. doctors indicated that the injuries had taken place to his body about six to seven hours before he got there. Meaning that the attack happened before the bellhop's first trip to the room that morning. Yeah. Doesn't that give you chills? Yeah. Like all of those checks, he had been injured during that time. And they didn't catch it. And they didn't catch it. Detectives, they did suspect that what happened is that Owen was possibly trying to call for help multiple times, taking the phone off, but he was in such bad shape that he couldn't okay. um, fully, like, dial. Yeah, well, and, and he had a head injury. Right. So so that's where those multiple, like, oh, the phone's off the hook again. Yeah. They suspect that that's what was happening. Okay. As he was, like, trying to call over and, and ask for help. That makes sense. But they're not sure. Well, and he was in two different positions with each time that the bellhop right. came. And the room was dark. So right. they didn't probably think much when they would go in there and just hang the phone back up. Yeah. The first bellhop obviously didn't look around no enough you no. know what I mean I mean and then you got a, a naked guy yeah like, yeah I'm not I'm with him I wouldn't be inspecting either unless it's Channing Tatum naked in there I'm gonna assess the situation if Channing is <laughs> yes, in there yes like, but let me secure this perimeter right and fully but, inspect everything that I need to inspect right I'm gonna need a pat down yeah okay <laughs> make sure this is safe and make sure there's no drugs in there Exactly. Other than that, no, I'm just going in, hanging up the phone, and leaving. So right. It so, is possible that all that splatter was there the first time that the could, bellhop could be came. It could be because I don't think that they looked around enough in the dark to know or, or to notice to realize. I don't know. It's just such a crazy. Like I have so many questions. Okay, so another unusual thing is when detectives arrive and they are inspecting the scene. They notice there is not one single piece of clothing in room 1046. Nothing. He's naked. All oh. clothing is gone. Oh. There's nothing in the room. There was no standard hotel amenities like the soap, the towels. Like literally everything was taken out of this room. What? I'm guessing whoever did this didn't want any evidence. For sure. Left, so they stripped They're it. They're just like all it all. It's all coming. The shampoo, with me. the soap, the towels. Like it's all. It was gone. Well, those are included in the price per night, so you do have a right to take those. Right. <laughs> Not the towels. Maybe but. the person needed to freshen up and was like free shit. I don't know. For but sure. Wow. It was all stripped. Everything was gone. Okay. Police found an unlit cigarette in the room. No if, clothes, but there's a there cig. was a cigarette. There was a label from a tie, and there were four fingerprints that they suspect were from a female. They were smaller fingerprints, and they were on the phone stand. Detectives obviously quickly ruled out suicide as a possibility, given his in injuries. Right, and the state of the room. Now, while checking into the hospital, Owen mentioned that he was from Los Angeles. Okay. Here's the mysterious part. When they were looking into who this, like, who he was, do we notify family, you know, who is this man, they discovered that Roland T. Owen never existed. They could not find a trace oh. of this man as being real. So that's not his real name. It's not his real name. They couldn't find any, like, backgrounds, no family to notify because this man technically wasn't real. Oh, my gosh. Chills he was, again. He is on the run from someone. He must have been. Wow. So, so many questions. So there's just a family out there that wondered where the hell he went. There has to be. I mean, he, he did come from a sperm and an egg somewhere. So now, there, yeah, he's, a, a sperm you know. did meet an egg somewhere in the world yeah. for him. Shortly after the murder, that neighboring hotel that he was constantly complaining about, they did confirm that a man matching his description had checked in to the hotel around January 1st, but he had checked in under the name of Eugene K. Scott. Mm. So totally different name. Another good used. solid name. 
He does have good taste in names. I will give the man credit for that. Eugene K. He's got to have that middle initial. Eugene K. Scott. Okay. Yeah. As they're trying to piece this together and kind of find out who this man is, there was someone else that had checked into a rest stop under the name of Eugene K. Scott, another alias with no existing record. So they kind of think maybe that was him. Yeah. Because they couldn't trace that name back. Um, There's a couple other names that they couldn't trace back to actual real identities. Duncan Ogletree and Cecil Werner. So (laughs) he got better with his name picking then is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Maybe those were the two he started with. He's like, you know what? I could do better. I'm not an Ogletree. So Duncan Ogletree. (laughs) Doesn't roll off the tongue Maybe afterwards he's like, "Mm, that was a bad choice. Yeah, I need a middle initial and something sturdier. So over the next couple months, people reached out to authorities to see if this victim might have been their missing loved one because, you know, they didn't really know who he was. Obviously, there's missing people. They're like, oh, my gosh, could this be? So they had a lot of calls coming in asking about, you know, could this be so-and-so? Police focused on the mysterious Don, who the victim had referred to in the phone call. And it's not clear whether Don was a male friend or a nickname for, like, Donna. Um, but that's really, like, the only lead they had is that he had left this message for Don. He had been on the phone with this person, Don. Other than that, this man had no ties to anyone. He just checked into the hotel. He'd leave. Got drunk, apparently. Well, I guess. <laughs> Wow. They also wondered, was this some kind of mafia business? Was he in with the mafia? You know, was there a link there? Unfortunately, police never figured out who Don actually was. It was the only lead they had, and they couldn't really trace it anywhere. Unfortunately, this case ran cold before he could even be buried. They had nothing. And this is the 30s. Yeah, yeah. They had a a tie tag. Yeah. And a unlit cigarette yep and four fingerprints that they obviously didn't have any leads on right and it's not like it is today their their fingerprint database back then not yep. like it is today. they should put those fingerprints in i know see what what comes up but if that person was never fingerprinted yep. and put in the system they would never not find gonna know. and they probably weren't because this was very sneaky yeah whoever did it was very sneaky um the kansas city journal oh, wait also those four Women's fingerprints could have been from the tenant before. Oh, yeah, you know, you're so right. Because there was a woman in there before. So the Kansas City Journal reported Owen was to be buried in a Pottersfield cemetery on March 3rd. Okay. An anonymous person called the funeral home in charge of the victim's burial service and said they would provide money for Owen's funeral so he could have a a proper funeral. Um, nobody knows who this was or why. So that also a mysterious part of this, that somebody's randomly like, I'll, I'll pay for his funeral, even though nobody knew who this guy was. So it's either a really kind philanthropist who was just <laughs> like, this story is sad. This man deserves a proper yeah. burial. Maybe. Or it's someone with a guilty conscience. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Intriguing. On March 23rd, money bundled in a newspaper arrived at the funeral home from an anonymous sender. Someone sent funeral flowers anonymously arranged through Rock Flower Company along with a card that said, Love Forever, Louise. What? Right? Is this the mafia? I don't know. About a year and a half later, in 1936, a friend of Ruby Ogletree found an American Weekly piece that was covering this case. Ogletree looked at it and identified she felt that this was her son who had left home. In, Duncan? Back in- <laughs> Duncan? Duncan, is this you? Yes. <laughs> yes, this is an Ogletree. She's like, oh my God, yeah. Duncan. Um, so apparently her son had left home in 1934 from, he left Alabama. Okay. And she claimed his, his name was Artemis Ogletree. Oddly enough, his name is an anagram for a gruesome letter. 
That's oh, what it God. means. Right? Police eventually believed her and the Ogletree family. Like, they claimed that this is who it was. Okay. One family member identified the scar on his head as a childhood accident because he did have a significant scar on his head. The man's online, online grave listing is in Memorial Park, Kansas City, and under the name of... Artemis Ogletree now. Oh, it is under that so, now. Okay. I mean. So maybe he was Ogletree and his first alias that he went by was just, I'll get, I'll drop the Artemis, I'll become Duncan. It could be. And then he decided to just go by completely different names after that. Now, being the 30s, I don't think his family had much contact after he had left home because it's not, I mean, this took right. a little while for them to come forward like, hey, I think this is our, you know, family member. They said he would have only been 17 at the Holy time. I, I think I misspoke and said 18, but the, if this is truly him, he would have only been 17. The question and also people remains. People thought he could have possibly been 30. 35. Yeah. Okay. The question remains, though, like, why all the aliases, if this really was him, yeah. why was he checking in at 17 years old under all these names? It's just so eerie. Who was he running from? So creepy. Exactly. Who's Don? Who's Luis? I know. Why are who they is send- Don? Yeah. And who, why are they sending flowers? And- right. Somebody, oh. somebody sent flowers remorsefully. Like, well, someone, pe- people died taking this secret to their grave. Heck yes. Ruby Ogletree said she received several letters from her son in the spring of 1935. Someone likely wrote the mailed letters after the hotel guest's death. If this is truly who he was. Those letters were received after he died. Okay. Um, so Ogletree wasn't sure if her son actually knew how to type. She also found... Oh, they were typewritten. Yeah, yeah, they were typed. So she's like, I don't know if Artemis... Right, knew, knew how to, how to, to typewriter. To type. She also found the tone of the writing didn't really match her son's style. Okay. So these were really odd letters for her to receive. For sure. So either way, which more so confirms to me that he must have been Artemis Ogletree because it seems like someone wanted to keep up the facade that he was alive after his death. Yeah. Yep. To throw it all off. Yeah, I agree with you. Because if, it, if, if this wasn't Artemis Ogletree... And she was receiving these letters all of a sudden. It still doesn't sound like it was him. It was him. Ogletree, Mama Ogletree, said she received a call in August of 1935 from a man in Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. Like, you didn't know that. Hey, <laughs> some people don't. Listen, we, we have, have other listeners. We have listeners from all over the world. Yeah. Um, he advised her that her son was in Egypt and unable to write because he'd lost his thumb and in a fight. and something, So he wasn't able to write. <laughs> lost and- my thumb in a fight. <laughs> In Egypt? His, How the fuck did he get to Egypt? I don't know, but his mom said the call was like super wild. The person talking was like sporadic and talking very wildly. And she did note, though, that he did seem to have knowledge about her son. So it was another just odd piece of all of this happening. That's very odd. And they didn't, I don't think they knew he passed for quite some time. So all this is happening like while he's already dead. Yes, but they don't know. But they don't that he's know. he's already dead. So it's just mysterious of like, I received these typewritten letters, then a phone call, not from my son, but from this friend explaining why I received typewritten letters right. instead of he handwritten lost his thumb letters. in he, Egypt. Okay, did he lose his voice box too? Why are why is he not calling me? Hey, it's so bizarre. That's like the dumbest. That right there says it to me that this probably was Artemis. Because yeah. why would someone call just to be like your son's fine, he's in Egypt, lost a thumb, but otherwise intact. Right. That's why he wrote you these letters. Right. Now, investigators they did try to like trace Artemis in Egypt. Through switchboards? I mean, how do you even do that? Good question. I don't know, but they they tried to, like, see if they could trace him to Egypt and see if that really was true, and they couldn't find any anything yeah like, no traces to egypt for egypt is so Artemis. random but also like the farthest away that they could possibly get from memphis right. tennessee it's right like now in 2003 dr john horner wrote a lengthy account on the murder case uh, published by kansas city public library he received an out-of-state call about artemis ogletree after he wrote this the caller claimed to find a box with newspaper articles about the Ogletree murder. It was found in a deceased elderly person's belongings. 
The caller said there was also an item found in the box, and the articles had referred to it several times, but the caller didn't specify what that item was. Was it a knife? I don't know. Is this the murderer? I was curious about the box, too, because, like, I never did see... I'll have to dig into that because I didn't see what exactly, like, happened out of that. But, you know, murderers like to take tokens. They do. And they like to collect the, the newspaper clippings on their own stories. Yes. So, an interesting part to this, kind of backing up to the day that Owen had checked into the hotel. A city worker later had come forward after all of this unfolded and reported a strange encounter that had happened to him while driving around the street around 11 p.m. that day. So Robert Lane said a man wearing not enough clothes for January flagged him down and asked for a ride. Robert Lane explained he wasn't a taxi driver but a city worker, and he agreed to take the man to a place to get a real taxi. According to Lane, the man had a wound on his arm that was pretty significant, and and he asked about it. The passenger nodded and swore revenge revenge against somebody tomorrow and that's all he said about the wound that was on his arm that he was going to get revenge against somebody tomorrow the passenger they suspect was possibly owen or artemis or you know right whoever you may be i like duncan we'll go with that um so they suspect that was possibly him before checking into the hotel okay and but we don't know for sure, but that was just an eerie encounter before, you know, before he had checked into the hotel. I almost read that into as like, what if that was somebody who would have something against Owen, Artemis, yeah, Duncan, Ogletree guy. Like, I'm going to get revenge. And then he's the one that ends up murdering. You know what? Them. I like that theory. That's interesting. It could have been like maybe they already had like some kind of you know, fight. Yeah. And he was going to finish it. Right. And was following him to whatever, you know, hotel he was at or whatnot. But isn't because that eerie? No one seems to mention that Owen, who they thought as Ronald T. Owen, Ronald, right? Was his, the name he checked in. Roland. Roland, Roland T. Roland T. Mm-hmm. Owen. No one seems to mention a, an abrasion, nothing on his arm, right. like an injury. Yeah, good point. Nobody did notice that. They just so, noticed, like, his head, in, he had a scar, a scar and then head. the cauliflower ear. Right. But no mention, I mean, it sounds like this was a significant wound, right. so it might have been noticeable. So I just wonder if that might have been someone with a motive. Also, why do these people have no clothes? Like, if this was a different well, guy, this, you, this person had no clothes either. You did kind of, okay, it is the 30s, the depression, clothes aren't as oh, readily available right. as they are today. And you just described all four of my teenage boys because they also don't wear enough clothes for the month and year either. Good point. So So it's probably not even an issue. I didn't mean year. The year has nothing to do with the temperature. Wow. (laughs) Sorry. I meant for the month that it is. Oh. Wow. This case has unfortunately never been solved. Yeah. They never figured out what happened Um, still today. It is a mystery. It is sinister and eerie and creepy. And was the woman who was wandering around looking for room 1026, Luis, who sent the flowers? Yeah. That's another piece of this is just so creepy. Like, who was the woman? Who's done? Super weird that it was also so similar to the room number of, of his room. Right. So, ten, you know, 10th floor, like... 1026 instead of 46. And she was, she was obviously, she was noted as like, she looked around for a while. So yeah, it could have been a mix up because she couldn't find 1026. Right. So uh, it probably was somebody for him yeah. that couldn't find him. I wonder, th- okay, now I just want to throw out a theory. All right. What if he got himself wrapped up with a married woman? Oh. They fell in love. He's young. He's 17. Lust outweighs all brains. Oh, yeah. All brains. At, yeah, that age, absolutely. At 35, lust outweighs all brains, <laughs> for that matter. So either whatever age he was. But the scrap, the little scrap that he got into perhaps was with Luis's husband. Oh, that's a good theory. Possibly. And then he the exacted his revenge. The other theory that pops into my head is... We had the fingerprints in the room. 
they suspect it was a woman. Did a woman do this? Was was she looking for him to harm him? Very possible. I ooh, I like that because there was one this too. woman looking diligently for room ten twenty six, couldn't find That's it. That's right. But then, and you know what? You you get a man naked. He's pretty vulnerable. You can start stabbing. Yes, you could. And he's probably still hoping there's a chance he's going to get laid. For sure. Like, it's, it's like not I'll take until, one for the team. Not until after about the sixth stab that he decides, <laughs> like, crap, we're this done isn't working here. out. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Right, right. No, but it's just that crossed my mind, too. Like, there was a female walking around. Mm-hmm. Then we had the, the day that Mary Mary was being a little nosy, and she heard the, the two men in the room so it's like there's so many just really unexplained things that happened. So definitely got himself wrapped up into something that he shouldn't something. have. Because if it wasn't a woman that did it, what if she was frantically looking for him to warn him? That could be too. Oh my God. This that is going to keep me up at I night. Know. Isn't this? It's so Amber. Eerie. I do agree with the theory that he was trying to call for help and and knocked the phone off. That would make sense. So it's like sad to me that when the first bellhop came in and he's laying face down, he was probably, you know, had passed out. Right. And whatnot. And, and he saw like, the dark spots. It yes. was probably his blood. Yep. And then, then he came to was trying to, you know, call for help again, didn't work, and they then they find him, like, on his elbow. I mean, just however he, right. like, laid. Like, he'd gotten off the bed at that point. Yes, and is bleeding out. And, um, oh, God, the only, this I mean, poor guy, no matter what he was into, he died ho- a really horrible, slow death. Um, the other theory is if he didn't take the phone off the hook, the demons. It oh, It was sure. the demons. Uh, I mean... It could have been the demons, I'm could just saying. Have. That's so true. But, I mean, the other theory makes more sense, but <laughs> hotel hauntings, I mean, come on. Right, they're right. Thing. They're out there. Speaking of, I did try to search for, I was like, this hotel has to be haunted. Right. Like, tell There's me, ten, no room way. 1046 has eerie vibes and people hear shit in there. There's even a, there's a movie it's called Room. I haven't seen it. It's Room fourteen oh eight. It has okay. John Cusack in it. Actually, Never I think I did it. see it before. Um, I was trying to see if there was like a relation to it, but there's a couple different uh, theories that, as to what this was based Which off is of, inspired like, by. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's called Room fourteen oh eight. Okay, but I could not find anything. Now there's a lot of haunted hotels in Kansas City. It's yes. a thing. Yeah. Um, Ooh, maybe we could do a special episode on it. We could. Hotel hauntings. Because when I looked it up, I found numerous hotels that are haunted in Kansas City. This one is not on the list. And that makes oh. it even more creepy to me because it's like, this is legit so eerie to yeah. me. Now, the hotel did shut down in, I think, the 70s. It closed. Okay. Okay. And then someone bought it, renovated, reopened it. So maybe the renovations, like... Got rid of the the hauntings. I don't know. Or sometimes when you do renovations, it really pisses stirs the them up. Off, yeah. Now I did. I was looking at reviews. I did see a couple that say this hotel is definitely haunted, but the the hotel like responds like we're definitely not haunted. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's, that's what sure. they all say. It's what all the haunted hotels <laughs> right. say. We're right. definitely not. We're not haunted. haunted over here. Can you verify that? Show me. Where right. you can verify that you're not haunted. Thank I'm you. I'm so curious about what happened to room 1046, yeah. though, if it's still like a and room. don't forget about the fact that that one time Mary went to give her goddamn fresh towels and he was locked from the outside in the room. That part is so also creepy. Like, guys. Like, what? What was he doing? Like, what was he? Who did he know? I don't know if we'll ever know, but he was into something. And the, yeah, and the fact that he liked to be in the dark, I'm sure it wasn't just to hide the cauliflower ear. There's right. He was hiding, or like I said, it was the demons. I don't yeah. know. He was either hiding from somebody, and he was into some really messed up stuff, yeah. or Satan was... Targeting him. Targeting yes, him. Yes, right, after his soul. Right. I don't know, but it is... Oh. Possibly my favorite case I've ever done. Yeah, I really like this. It's so this, creepy. Although it's going to keep me up at night just <laughs> wanting to know what happened to Duncan Owen Ogletree, possibly. I, right? Whatever You're his gonna name You're going to be going mad. Is. You'll have like a map drawn out. For sure. <laughs> trying no, to solve this. I will tell you, I started researching at night and I was like, 
Uh-huh. I'm going to save some of this for, you know, tomorrow. I don't want to stir up Artemis and like. For sure. Artemis, leave me alone, bud. <laughs> right. Um, also, that mysterious box that was With found. the stuff? Yeah. Right. Like like you said, people keep thing. trophies. They do. Was, was grandma or grandpa harboring a secret that they took to the grave? Yeah. Oh shit! So yeah, the questions. Thanks for, thanks for this. this. Yeah, it was a good case. good case. I enjoyed it. Um, the questions that still remain today for this case: Who the f was Don? For sure. Why did someone anonymously pay for his funeral? And yeah. why so many aliases that he was checking in and using? Yep. And also, who's Louise? Who's Louise? Why does she love him? Right. And did he have ties to the mafia? People really strongly think that that could Given be the a possibility. Period. Even the different aliases for the time period doesn't surprise me. I mean, people could walk into anything and be like, hi, I'm Regina Falange. You know. I, Come on in. Yeah. It, <laughs> Miss Falange. <Yeah. laughs> like it was, right. it was so easy to, to just make shit up like that. Yeah. But. Yep. And that's so has a mafia vibe. Yeah. So like maybe he was oh, tied he, to them. Yeah, he was definitely running, hiding from something. Didn't want to be found. You he don't was, give fake names if you don't if you want to be found. Right. He was also well dressed. They he was uh, described as like well dressed and seventeen. Right. More than possibly like he's young. So how's he earning money to be well dressed? Right. In the thirties. And he's husky. He's eating well. He's eating. Getting his protein. Which to be, I mean, maybe it was the depression. So. I don't know if many people were husky. I don't know. I don't no, know. Right, right. I don't know. Turns out he was probably 140, but just for the time, right. he was considered <laughs> so right. husky. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't like living. he was a husky man. Yeah, because he wasn't living off of one potato a day. Right. He was God. so right. Very interesting. Isn't it? I just, yeah, that one was a really good case it and it is unsolved. Honestly, it's a really nice case to happen after the deep dive of the cult murders that yeah, I just covered. A little covered. lighter. So I like it. Thank we're you. We're cleansing our palate from uh, six hairs. <laughs> yes, from six hairs of Celia. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Are you ready for a, a brain I, bath? I am. I am. Okay. So, I have for you the buffet brawl. We, ha- we had an altercation at Golden Corral in Pennsylvania. Oh, my God. Fists were flying and chairs were flying. Wow. Now, see, I would expect this out of a Ponderosa, but a Golden Corral. (laughs) I had higher standards for a Golden Corral. So it says, in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, an apparent misunderstanding over a steak order escalated into an all-out brawl at the Golden Corral. Video shows, and there is video, video shows at least a dozen customers engaged in the fight, throwing punches and chairs while the restaurant employees tried to break up. A dozen? Customers? It was a knockdown drag out. We'll play the video after I read you just a little more of the details. Oh my gosh. Um, one man at the center of the fight says the initial argument may have been escalated in part by having trouble understanding each other underneath their masks. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about steak with masks on. Okay. Yes, because that is reasonable to jump from commu- miscommunication. I said medium low. Right. <laughs> to throwing chairs. Wow. Some bumps and bruises, but no serious injuries were reported, and police are, are still investigating. Hold on. The fact that you have to say some bumps and bruises. When you go to dinner... You should never come out with bumps and bruises. You are absolutely correct. Wow. And you know what? We It is no secret how much I love me a good steak. Oh, yeah. you do love steak, and I do as well. Love it, love it. I don't know that I'm willing to throw hands over <laughs> it at a Golden Corral. Now, you give me a more expensive, finer piece of meat? Now, maybe. 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 Yeah. It says... With COVID right now, masks and and everything, nobody can hear sometimes. Um, Some people could be seen on video tossing chairs as the brawl broke out. Um, One person quoted, I (laughs) this is just so good. I grab a chair to defend myself, and sooner or later, that was it. Punches were getting thrown, chairs were getting thrown. Officials with Golden Corral released a statement saying, we notified the local authorities and are investigating the incident. Thankfully, no injuries have been reported. The safety of our guests and coworkers is our top priority. (laughs) 
I have so much here. Were they fighting with masks on? <laughs> I just love. We will view the video and we need to see this. I, love I hope that they we're were blaming masks, but now we can get close enough to throw punches. And but we've got our masks on. Yep. And the the guy that they talked to, he said, he said nobody was on the ground. Nobody got hurt. I got a bruise on my nose and my brother got a black eye. Oh, my God. My my brother got a lifted nail. Ow. Ah, no. Oh, God. You Ow. just destroyed me with that. Oh. This guy sounds hardcore because he, he makes it sound like this is no this big is deal. This is no like, big that deal. That was it. Lifted Lost nail Lost a nail. Black eye. Oh. oh. No big deal. Nail stuff is so oh, so painful for it me. It is. Um, I'm going to play this so we can see, and then we'll we'll have to attach it so I people can see the, the Golden Corral Brawl Battle <laughs> of 2022. Here I we guess. Go. All right, let me see Here this. Go. Oh, my God. my God. That is more than just a little scuffle. Holy cow. The whole restaurant is engaged. Ever- Somebody just flew. <laughs> Somebody was just like mid-air. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my Lord. You guys have to see this. And this is all because one man's steak wasn't cooked properly. I love how the everybody else is like, let's join in. Mob mentality right there. Holy shit. Oh, my gosh. You guys have to see this. It's like true. There's like 30 people. 20 pe- I don't That's know. That's a lot. There's so yes, many people involved in this fight. Nothing cool like this happens when I'm in public. The only thing that ever happens is like an old man stands up out of a wheelchair and his pants don't come with it. This like, is like <laughs> nothing else. This is my happens. question that I have for you. Very serious question. Would you have jo- joined in the brawl? I don't. God, I don't. I'd like to. I think, think I would have. Do you? I don't know. I don't know if I'd throw a chair, but I would have, like... I think that I would have, like, if I felt like someone was being injured, I would have then, like, intervened to pull that person, like, off them. Like, dude, like, Oh, yeah, that's what know, I meant, too. Totally. You know, you're, totally. You are jumping on top of the pile. Like, you know yeah. what I would have done? I would have made myself a plate while the brawl was going on. Like, free line. Plate. The line is short. Everyone's fighting instead of yes, at the buffet. I'm, like, I'm gonna fill my plate right, up. No right. weights. It's yeah. time. That's the That's craziest funny. thing I've ever it seen. Really we will post the video because it's amazing. It delayed playing, but it was worth it. I've also never um, been to a Golden Corral. Is the food I haven't either. worth it? I don't know. Let us know, everyone. Yeah, please let us know your feedback. It sounds like there's some hardcore mofo's that go to Golden I Corral. So. <laughs> I think so. Obviously. <laughs> oh that's great it might be too intense for us thank you to tara because she sent me that amazing brain brain baths yes you guys can do too crime curious at yahoo.com or on any of our socials um just so you guys know on twitter we are actually at curious crime because for some reason crime curious was already taken so but by who i don't know it doesn't seem to be at an active account but Hmm, interesting so yeah, so at uh, Curious Crime for Twitter, but everything else we're Crime Curious Podcast. So, yeah. Well, thank you for this. It's been You're welcome. lovely. And we will, thanks for listening, guys. Keep it curious. And we will uh, chat at you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.